All right. Welcome, everybody, to The Future Belongs to Creators. My name is Miguel. I'm joined here today with my normal hosts, Charlie and Haley. Say hello, ladies. Hey, hey. Hello. Hey. Normal host here. <laughs> yeah. And then there's also a fourth today. Today we have Noah from Provocateach. He's usually here in the chat, one of our more active people, along with Teddy. Um, but he reached out to us. And who, Teddy's also here. He just says he's cheering you on right there. So I wanted to uh, talk with Noah today. He reached out to us and wanted to chat a little bit about his creator journey and sort of what he's learned along the way. And as we've said many times before, we like to kind of highlight creator journeys earlier in their in their uh, path, I guess, because I feel like people who have made it have plenty of opportunities to talk about what they've done. So <laughs> we like to highlight people who are kind of just getting started or, you know, have have some insights about what it's like to just get started out. So what's up, Noah? Hey, glad to be here. I've got the the shirt, um, <laughs> the Fault to Generosity shirt. And uh, yeah, I've been a longtime listener. I'm so, you know, it's, this is surreal. It's like I've gone through the screen and like now I'm in the <laughs> The world of convert kits so. through the looking glass, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, right before we went live, uh, Noah goes, "Is this what you guys do? You know, like you like just talk right before the podcast, you just like <laughs> hang out." We're like, "Yep, every time, every single week." <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, I can't imagine what it would be like otherwise. I mean, if we just uh, kind of it's like we're just all hopping on a random call, like with absolutely <laughs> no prep, you know, just like I don't know. You mean this isn't totally unscripted? Well, yep, totally unscripted. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I appreciate that you think that this is a such a well-oiled machine that we're just reading from a script, but no. <laughs> yeah, there there have been plenty of Haley examples of that obviously not being the case. <laughs> yeah, I've I've said a few things that I won't repeat uh, that I wish I hadn't said. So <laughs> we all know what we're talking about. All right, so. I wanted to start off by maybe introducing yourself and maybe giving everybody a little background about, you know, who you are and kind of a little bit leading up to where you are today as a creator. Sure. Yeah. Um, so uh, my name is Noah. Um, I uh, like my last name is kind of a very poorly kept secret. Like I don't like to, I like to kind of keep it on the DL. But if you really, you know, do some Googling, you can probably find it. Let's not encourage people to do that. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, my day job is I'm a high school mathematics teacher in San Jose, California. And uh, in my spare time, I uh, daydream about what better and more adaptive education system could look like, you know, one that um, really addresses the challenges that students face day to day. And I try to make stuff on the web uh, about those daydreams. Mostly it's been blogs so far. I've done some, I've experimented with a couple of other things, uh, streaming videos. I think I even tried a Desmos activity once. Um, if you know what that is, it's like- I do a, not know what that is. What is that? Yeah, it's, it's like a thing that teachers use in the classroom, but I tried to use it for my- uh, audience. I think they were a little confused, but, um, <laughs> before we get into all the th other things we're going to talk about, I'm curious why you do this because sir, like, I feel like teaching is such a service oriented, like gift that you're giving society. So I'm curious, like, why, why do you daydream about making it better? Do you have experiences where you're, you know, you're thinking like, Oh, 
I wish that my experience were different? Or do you just see the struggles that's in the education system today? And you're like, I know I can fix that. What's the why behind this? Yeah, I think it actually a lot of it goes back to when um, I was a student and, you know, many students feel like the explanation in the book isn't clear or I don't understand what's being talked about right now. But I kind of felt like I could have explained it better. And I was always trying to think about like, okay, how would I present this to, um, you know, to if I were in the teaching position. So that's part of it is I was always thinking about how would I do this better? And then the other part is when I started studying education in college, I felt like the things that were being talked about were not the main problems. Like you, you hear a lot of discussion about like issues, like just like the policy issues, like teaching, you know, teachers, unions, charter schools, all, all those uh, kind of talking points. But I felt like the real, like the real issues were in the student experience, the day-to-day drama of like, I didn't get enough sleep last night and uh, there's a lot going on in my life. And I just am not in a space where I understand what's going on right now. That, that, that kind of thing, you know? Mm. So that's a good why. I love that. Why? Yeah. I remember feeling that way too. I, cause I went to college to be a teacher as well um, as a social science educator. And I remember feeling that way too, where I spent years learning about, teaching theory and like pedagogical styles and uh, all kinds of like, like the psychology behind all these things. And then, so you feel like, okay, this is all I need to know to be a teacher. And then I went to my first internship and I got in front of students and all of that was useless. Like it was unbelievable (laughs) how useless all that was. I'm like, Oh my God, I am paying so much money for these classes. And I learned in the last day teaching these kids more than I have in the last three years. And what I really learned was how much I didn't learn in the last three years. Because the the last part about being in an education program was you do a a six-month internship where you just basically do the job for six months. You just, you go, you're, and then the the person that you're there interning for, the teacher kind of takes a back seat and sort of like kind of helps you point in the right direction, but you're just doing the job. Right. And uh, I remember feeling very unprepared at the beginning of that. And uh, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about, Noah. Like there's a lot of room to move where they're just talking about like, oh, we're talking about like, what some of those things were helpful, like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. If you don't know what that is, like for those of you who are listening who may not know, you're not going to teach someone how to do addition if they didn't have have their most basic needs met. Like, like you mentioned, Noah, you're not going to, if you'd have a good night of sleep or, you know, you're, you're, you didn't eat breakfast that morning. Right. You know, your home life is crazy because, you know, maybe mom and dad are, you know, really busy or they're not even in the picture or you're helping raise your siblings because your family dynamic is really complicated. How is anyone supposed to care about learning addition? where like, you know, you, you have to know your audience. Yeah, no, definitely. One of the, one of the things that you talked about, Noah, when, when you reach out to us is you said that 
your creator journey kind of began March 2020. And for those of you who may not know, that's a very special month. <laughs> who doesn't know that? <laughs> <laughs> Something happened historically. I, I'm, I'm, I'm drawing a blank right now. Yeah, I can't quite put my <laughs> finger on it, but. <laughs> so, uh, so you said your school system, it closed due to COVID and you were, you were doing substitute teaching, right? Yeah, I was working as uh, an on-call sub, which is kind of, I kind of liken it to, it's kind of like the Fiverr or like the Craigslist of teaching, like in that there there were basically anywhere in the St. Paul area um, where there was some teacher who was sick, I was driving out there to cover their class. But the thing is, when the school is closed, you don't need a su- you don't need subs mm-hmm. anymore, right? So yeah. um, I wasn't technically like fired or laid off, but there was just nothing on uh, the schedule for me to take. And I don't want to make it seem like I was uh, financially struggling because my family stepped in to help me and they were very supportive in that. But um, uh, if there's anything I was struggling with, it was boredom. (laughs) And (laughs) so I was just kind of looking for something to do. And I've always had a lot of very strong opinions and I've always been trying to share them a little too much. Why not turn it into a blog or a website or something? So I bought the Provocateach domain name and that was kind of like, that was the tipping point where I said, okay, now I've put money into this thing, even if it's only like $7.94 a year or whatever. <laughs> um, like $7.94. <laughs> right, <to> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. Not, not like... <laughs> Right. Um, but that was kind of my way of locking myself into like, okay, time to, um, time to just get started on this project. And, uh, actually ConvertKit was a big part of the beginning too. Um, I remember like before I took that step, I actually went to a couple webinars that, uh, Angel was running. Um, and, uh, she mentioned, that the convert kid had this podcast called the future belongs to creators that, you know, you should tune in next time. Cause at that time it was, it was every day. So I was like, wow, that's great. Like I can just, I, I have something to something else to do with my free time. So the advice from that show also kind of helped me get off the ground in the initial few months. Let's not tell Nathan and Barrett that. <laughs> we don't want the hits to get big, you know. I think yeah. they I think I already told them. <laughs> Dang <but>. it. Uh, <laughs> it sounds like like if you were attending webinars with Angel, um, it sounds like creating something like this site to share your ideas had been on your mind for a while before March 2020. Is that fair to say? That's that's very fair to say. I actually um I was thinking about doing it all throughout college, but I think at that time it was just, there was, I at least felt then that there was too much on my plate to mm. kind of get it started. Like for me, the issue was always, there's so much going on in my life. Like, when am I going to find the time to do it? And then March, 2020 hits and it's like, well, I have all the time to do it. Might as well just yeah try it, you know? I, we had Teddy on and then, you know, right after we had Teddy, uh, join, you sent us an email and pitched to come on the show, which I think was amazing for so many reasons, but I I love that you felt so compelled to reach out to us because you felt like you had experience that could actually help creators that were listening to this show. And I want to hear more about that. I think that 
the the thing that I struggled with the most was just like there was so much that I could potentially do for this project at any given time. I could be writing, I could be learning about marketing, I could be like fixing some bug on my website. Like the, the, there was so much that could potentially be happening at any one time. And in some sense, I think the part of the journey was learning how to compartmentalize, okay, what do I need to be doing right now? And creating the systems where, and I say that, I say that like this, like I already created the systems. I think it's, it's kind of an ongoing thing of like perfecting, like as your life changes, when you do marketing versus writing versus mm. uh, whatever. But I think that that was really the, the main initial challenge that I think I could talk about, especially because um, ADHD is, is sort of related to that, like regulating yourself to do the right thing at the right time. Tell us more about that. How is that something that you figured out, like when the right time is? Have you just learned, I guess, over the years when to lean into things and when to lean into others? I mean, I'm going to be honest, it's not been 100% perfect. Um, sometimes it's like, sometimes it ended up being whatever I was the sort of the most like anxious about at the time or what felt the most compelling. But I will, I will say this, it's great to have some kind of, some kind of external source, like the, the research that you're doing or, or the, you know, this podcast was actually a big part of that, like uh, in, in kind of sequencing the steps that I needed to take. There was one episode about the creator journey, I think, where that kind of helped me see, okay, first, like first you do research, then you just get started and then you do this and that you don't need to worry. You know, you don't need to be worrying about, I don't know. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of an example. Like, like making money, for example, right at the start. Right. Right. You yeah. don't need to think about that. Like on your like very first day when you don't even yeah. have the website set up. So that's, that's kind of, uh, that, that kind of helped me. And then the other thing that helped me was, um, this is, this is kind of a big piece of advice is get yourself an Anna. So Anna is uh, my girlfriend, and uh, but it doesn't have to be doesn't have to be a girlfriend. It, it can Probably be not anyone. Noah's girlfriend too. Like let let's let him keep her. Let's get a different Anna. <laughs> <laughs> right, um, but she's kind of the 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 person who like I, I talk to her about what I'm going through, and she can kind of say like, okay, yeah, it sounds like you're in the right headspace, or like, no, 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 that's you. You don't need to focus on that right now. I can, I can tell there's, there's this, this, and this that you need to um, look at first. So just having someone who can, you know, respond to you live, like respond to exactly what you're going through in that moment. Yeah. And like someone to talk things through with, right. And, and verbalize it of what you're thinking and what you're thinking of doing, because if you just stay stuck in your own head, then yeah, you, you might be stuck there for a long time. Um, as Teddy said, getting stuck in the research phase was a big takeaway for him for those early episodes. Well, what's, what's interesting about, uh, you mentioned ADHD, and one of the main things about ADHD when you boil it down is just like this inability to control your focus. Uh, so you can get really fixated on some things, things that may not matter, or you might have a hard time focusing on something and you keep jumping around, and then you make 
very little progress on anything because you're constantly like moving on to the next thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's this really funny uh, little blurb from the show Malcolm in the Middle where the dad is trying to change a light bulb, but every time he goes to do something to change the light bulb, he finds something else that's broken. So he keeps <laughs> like, so I'm going to change the light bulb. Oh, the light bulbs are in the drawer. So he opens the drawer and then the drawer is rattly. So he's like, oh, let me get a screwdriver and fix that drawer. When he goes to get the screwdriver, you know where I'm going with this. Like it's constantly yes. like, and then next thing you know, the light bulb never got changed. The drawer is still rattly. Like nothing <laughs> got done. You spent all your time right. switching tasks. And you've started 20 other projects. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then that starts feeling like crushing weight on you because then you're like, oh, I started 20 things. None of them are done. I haven't made progress on anything. And then you start beating yourself up. Right. Definitely have felt that before. I like the way that you, you put it at the beginning also when you said ADHD is, it's not the inability to focus, it's the inability to control your focus. Cause that's really, I think what the, that's really what the issue is, is you really have to step back and figure out and, and, and get yourself to focus on the right thing. And then you can kind of dive into it. Cause again, you can spend so much time just focusing on the wrong thing going down a rabbit hole. Do you think that there's some ways that ADHD has like been a benefit? Cause it's not all bad, right? You know, there are, there are. So, I mean, fundamentally, and I, by the way, I'm not a mental health expert, so um, <laughs> definitely double check everything I'm about to say, but um, <laughs> based on, based on what I've read, um, ADHD, I think it's according to Dr. Thomas E. Brown, who's kind of like, he, he like wrote a book on um, the disorder, but ADHD has to do with the regulation system in your brain. He kind of said, it's like, it's like the conductor of an orchestra, right? If the conductor's out of whack, the whole orchestra is going to kind of play a little funny, right? So there aren't a lot of boundaries on where you're allowed to think at any given time. Now, not having boundaries on your thinking turns out to be great for creativity. <laughs> and so there are, there are a couple studies that show that um, when it comes to things like divergent thinking or um, just like d designing weird products, like ADHD, people with ADHD actually tend to do really well. And so I'd say that's definitely been, that's definitely been an asset to me in the sense that like I, I can kind of connect I feel like I can connect things that I, I otherwise wouldn't because of, you know, just the way that I am. When you became a creator, you know, in March 2020, when you finally took action on this idea that you had, did you discover like new challenges that uh, you hadn't faced before with ADHD when it came to getting things done? Because it was, you know, very self-driven being a creator and there's no one telling you what to do. You have to figure it out for yourself. I'm curious to hear more about that. It was interesting to see what ended up being a challenge and what didn't, because I think before I got started, I had a lot of conceptions about what was going to be hard. I thought that the main trouble was going to be just keeping everything organized. And while that was a bit of a challenge, it was actually something where because it was a project that I cared about, I didn't have as much trouble with that. What I did end up having trouble with was like, there was a lot of, I think, leftover self-doubt from earlier experiences with ADHD, where I was like, 
there was kind of this voice in the back of my mind that was like, this is just, this is just another like phase, you know, that like, eventually you're going to put this down and like move on to something else. Right. And so I think that was a bit of a challenge. Um, and then it, it was also just like, like I said earlier, like what to focus on at any given time was also just the more cognitive side of things where there, like I said, there's a billion different things I could do at any given time. So can you talk me through like a specific example or experience, like h- how ADHD maybe affected like your creative output? Like one of the things that you talked about was like creating consistently with ADHD. So like, what would that look like in a week? And then what was the actual skill that you've learned over time to help you consistently create to, you know, put your work out into the world? What's like a yeah piece of advice that you can offer those that might be struggling with the same thing? It's kind of week to week because I think like if I could maintain the level of excitement that or or, like the the level of just like momentum that I had at the beginning of the creative journey, I would. (laughs) Part of it was if something didn't feel like instantly rewarding, I would have this urge to like kind of give up or move on to something else. And maybe I have ADHD. (laughs) (laughs) I think you do. I think you do. I actually am a doctor and uh... <laughs> no, no, no need to see, you know, see anybody like Dr. Miguel. Yeah, Miguel said so. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Didn't mean to derail you there, Noah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. No worries. No worries. No worries. Yeah. So I like for the, I think for the first few months I was blogging pretty consistently. And then I think, I took a break on it and then try, kind of tried to come back in January. And then, well, by that, by that point, like it, it had been a few months since uh, I had last written anything. And so there wasn't kind of an immediate, like, like I was looking at the, you know, the, the click through rate on ConvertKit. It wasn't quite as high as I was, uh, I had remembered. So that was a little bit kind of, disheartening. So I was immediately like, okay, maybe let's try now. Let's try doing a a stream. Why not? You know? And, um, and then I put a bunch of work into putting that together. And then like, it it was this big project where I had to, you know, learn how to uh, stream. I like put this whole thing together in Canva and then that like didn't instantly, you know, become a viral hit, right? <laughs> like that I was like, okay, let's move on to something else. And I think the, the, the takeaway is you have to give something a couple of rounds to succeed before you really give up on it, right? I think I had underestimated the time that it takes to gain traction and the like consistency you need to sustain the traction. And the consistency you need in your own patience as well, right? To to not judge the thing too early, because if you do, then you could be walking away from what could potentially be a good thing in the future because you're disappointed by the, the early results. That makes a lot of sense, Noah. Yeah. Yeah. And we say this a lot, right? That we 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 tend to have in our minds what, when we're doing a project, we have in our minds what success might look like or feel like. And then we judge ourselves very harshly when those things don't meet the expectation that we set. You know, when you put all that work into 
getting that streaming project going. And then it turns out that it wasn't the big hit that you saw in your mind. You instantly think, oh, failure, move on to the next thing. And we have to kind of catch ourselves with that. I mean, obviously, keep your ear to the ground and don't keep doing something that's not working and iterate and change. And But you also have to make sure you give things time. And uh, part of it is also that repetition and the learning and all that. Uh, Nathan talks about this a lot where it was just a, it, for him, the goal was to write X amount of words every single day for X amount of time. And doing that was the success, not the response mm. to that was the success. Yeah. I think that's so important, especially because when I look back on that streaming project, there's a lot of success in there that I didn't initially appreciate. Like the, just the fact of like, you know, setting up all the infrastructure I needed to uh, create a stream. Like I had done all this research into student motivation. So like, I just, I have that knowledge now. I know that I can do it in the future if I want to much easier. And like, there's just so much uncertainty that's now taken out of the equation. If I ever want to go back and do that again, I think proving that you're able to do something is a very valuable thing. And if nothing else, that's why it's worth it to try things. I love that. I really love that. Something that I think is interesting, Noah, is that um, you're you're like me in that your profession very like directly aligns with what you do, with what you create, right? Like you're making content about your profession, essentially. I would love to hear from you what that, I don't know, what that feels like and also being a teacher, I don't know, is there any concerns with, um, is that why you hide your last name, for example, and why you try and encourage it to not be known? Um, are you at all concerned about um, it impacting your your teaching career, having this public blog with, you know, thoughts on the education system? I definitely feel like the two things inform each other in that when mm. I'm blogging or when I, I was putting together the stream, I was often thinking about like, okay, what, like, what are my learning objectives here? Like, like what's the best way to explain this? And, and then almost the reverse uh, where I felt like being a creator actually informed my teaching because now, now I'm thinking like of my students almost as an audience. I mean, it's not quite the same because they have to be there. Um, <laughs> but. but what a cool way to think about it too, though, because I feel like kids these, no, kids these days. <laughs> All right, grandma. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> but I just, I think about like my kids, right? Like maintaining an audience's attention is, is really important, obviously, to being a successful creator and making sure that you're continuing to pr provide valuable content. I imagine applying that to a teaching setting, obviously, where you want to be the teacher that like, like kids, you know, enjoy going to your class. Miguel, I feel like you've actually talked about this before, you know, about like it's a performing and just keeping attention. I imagine that being a very difficult thing. And there's definitely um, parallels. connection between, yeah. yeah, definitely, definitely parallels between the two. And gosh, what a great flipping like place to practice that experience of like, because how hard is it to keep kids' attentions when you have TikTok and whatever, all the things, you know, as a teacher, now flip that in your, as a creator, you know, you have the best practice in the world, the best playing ground in the world to perfect how to do that. Right, right. No, I mean, just like to, to make things very concrete, like the, the mindset of, you know, communicating value to your audience up front is so effective in teaching as well, because 
like make it very concrete. Like when I'm teaching probability, right? The students are thinking, when am I ever going to use this? So it's so important at the beginning to like kind of um, make it something that where they can say like, oh, I see why that's valuable. And so one thing that I did was we were doing a lesson on the lottery and I, I talked about like how probability can tell you if it's worth it to actually play the lottery. Um, and turns out it's not. So. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Yeah. I was like, please, please tell me it is because I love the lotto. Please tell oh, me it is. Sorry. Are you about to drop some bomb that's going to make me a million dollars? You know, like, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I'm, well, I'm, maybe he'll save you a million dollars in the long run. Right, right. Not participating. I'm like the boring, like angel on your shoulder saying like, don't do it. You know, <laughs> but it's $10 billion. <laughs> you know, uh, since you brought it up, Haley, uh, and, and Noah, you, you reminded me that, yeah, um, I've, I always treated teaching as like, all right, well, we all have to be here. Some of us don't <laughs> want to be here. Sometimes that person's me. So how are we going to make this enjoyable as possible for everybody that's here? So it sounds kind of like a crazy thing to admit, but oftentimes I treated the, the content of the lesson as a secondary thing. And the primary thing was, how do I keep them engaged? Because I can have all of the correct information teed up, but if nobody's engaged, I might as well just be talking to the wall. So I, I always kind of try to treat it like a, sort of like an interactive stand-up comedian routine where like, and my, my, my tool my ace in the hole was comedy. So I'm always trying to make the kids laugh because that's really easy to engage with. People like to smile, they like to laugh. And if they're bored, they're gonna try and make themselves smile and laugh between each other and then disengage. So <laughs> I would always just be like, all right, well, if I can keep the attention on me by either being funny or making my presentation, like if I was doing a PowerPoint or something like that, the pictures I would choose or I would insert sound effects, it would just be things that were like funny but got the point across. And then I always felt like I had their attention. And as long as I have their attention, I can say whatever I want and they're very likely to remember it. And that was sort of my approach to it. So it was always about capturing your audience first and then worrying about the content second. And that doesn't mean that I didn't care about the content because as a professional, there were certain things that I had to teach and there were standards that I have to meet or I uh, get fired. And it's <laughs> like ethically wrong to just be up there like, <laughs> I'm just going to tell jokes, you know? So it's very important to also keep the two things very closely connected. But all that to say, if I'm working my ass off, creating like a sequence of emails in ConvertKit, for example, and I'm like reading over and over and over and over again. And my content is just like perfect and meticulous, but I'm not being methodical about how I'm captivating my audience. It can be the most perfect email written in the history of mankind. No one's going to give a shit. So that, that engagement piece, that, that creating a connection with your audience Granted, my audience was a captive audience because by law they had to be there. Right. <laughs> I made the most of that situation by, you know, making it enjoyable, making it fun. I taught civics. So I taught government to 12-year-olds. Can you think of something a 12-year-old wants to know about less than how, <laughs> how the government works? 
but we made it fun. Yeah, this is why Sharon says, so I've talked about her a thousand times, but this is why she's so successful because nobody paid attention in 12 year old in government class when they were 12. So they're having to relearn it as like, you know, <laughs> 20, 30, 40 year old adults. She's, I don't know if you know who she is. No, I've, I've brought her up several times, but basically she was a government teacher and she, uh, her Instagram platform this last year, like, insanely blew up. She has like probably close to a million followers on Instagram. Now she has like, she got, she just released a podcast and it was like the number one released podcast, like, um, out there. And she, all she does is talk about answer questions about government and, and she does it in this hilarious way. And, um, she, obviously she focuses on adults, people that didn't pay attention when they were supposed to pay attention. So there you go. Cause they didn't have Miguel as a teacher. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, sometimes, I mean, honestly, that makes sense though, because like government becomes more important to you as you get older. Like it's not really that important to you when you're, um, you know, younger, I guess. Well, um, sorry, Miguel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but no, definitely. I, I think that's so true. Um, what uh, both of you were saying that like, you, you, you need something kind of enticing up front. Um, and I, it honestly kind of reminds me of how I feel having ADHD. Like if like something you want that kind of sense of like, I can get an immediate reward out of like paying attention to this. And then you stay for the more, for, for the deeper stuff later, but like initially you need a reason to not scroll past that email in your inbox or to scroll past that like blog post that's getting linked on Twitter. That's the piece that's, that, that matters. I love that. Come for the ADHD, but stay for the content. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I, th- I think there's one more last thing I wanted to ask you, Noah. And I know that you mentioned that, uh, you know, you've been watching Future Belongs to Creators and you'd, you'd gone to some of the webinars that Angel was giving. So is there anything outside of that that um, you do to connect with other creators? Like I know through, either through social media, I know it's been kind of hard to like meet anyone in person nowadays, but, you know, hopefully those days are not too far away, you know, fingers crossed. But what do you what do you do? Because so much of a creator is creating a community because it's real easy to feel like you're alone. So, you know, our peers usually kind of help give us some inspiration. So do you do anything uh, outside of those things? Yeah, this is actually, I think, if I'm being honest, I'd say this is an area where I could probably grow a little bit. Um, I do have a few people from this community. And then I also, um, like my, my mom is a creator on Instagram, for example. And so I have that aspect of it but um that would actually probably be an area where i would like to you know expand my horizons a bit you know meet some more creators so well i mean next time we have a conference maybe you can come to uh, crafting commerce yeah i'm so excited for that if you want something to like fill your tank of creative juices to like a hundred and thousand percent go to crafting commerce because man that I went there and I'm like, I kind of want to quit my job at ConvertKit and be one of these people because they're just all amazing. <laughs> oh, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. I called like five friends that I know that do things, you know, like, like, uh, my, my, one of my best friends who coaches volleyball, like, and I was like, okay, I was like, so here's the plan. You are going to put together this entire, like whole packet, this digital product all about recruiting and you're going to be a millionaire. Like that's what's going to happen. You know, you're going to be, you're just going to, and your friend's like, what, why are you thinking about this now? Yeah, she's like, she's like, she's like, 
you know? And I was like, yeah, anyways, craft and commerce, that's the place. I have right one there. more question for Noah, actually, before we sign off. Um, yeah. Because at the start, Noah, you were talking about how you hadn't taken action on this idea yet because of time, right? Now that, you know, school is going back, and I assume you've been teaching this year already, like, with school's back? Yeah. How have you found it creating alongside the teaching job? What's it been like? It was very difficult at first. Um, mm-hmm. I think that especially because it was my first, it was my first year as like a full on teacher, as opposed to just a substitute or a student teacher. And on top of that, right, we had the COVID-19 pandemic and a lot of uncertainty about whether we were going to be back in school or teaching on zoom or yeah. Right. Right. Um, the first few months I just kind of said, you know what, I just need to give myself a space. Like the creative project is going to be a bit of like, a bit of a wash. And I've warned my audience about that. I said, like, these first few months are going to be challenging. So you might not see a lot from me during the, during that time. Um, and then as I got, as I got better at number one, putting boundaries on my work and how much I allowed it to spill into my free time. And number two, just like creating, like, like creating those systems that let me just be more efficient at the day-to-day tasks that I need to complete. As I got better at like managing that, I could start to think about my creative projects a little more. And so that's how I was able to put together the stream, for example, which was like the, I'd say like the first three months of the year was just put, putting that together, getting, um, you know, doing the research and so on. So it's definitely challenging, but I think that, you know, if you look at like your, your day-to-day life, it's like, how can I, how can I possibly make this a little more efficient or a little bit, you know, easier on myself? Like that time eventually adds up and lets Mm -hmm. you kind of fit in the things that you want to do. That really, I mean, I relate to that completely. That's how I get things done as well is like little things here and there whenever it can. And being okay with the fact that we can't do as much as full-time creators can as well. Right. Yeah. 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 All right, Miguel, now you may wrap up. <laughs> <laughs> I love what you said, Charlie. You know, you you sound like you have come to grips with the fact that you're not a full-time creator and that's okay. And that's not mm-hmm. something that you're doing wrong. You're just balancing out, uh, you know, a very busy life and that's okay. It's not failure that you're not going 110% all the time. So thank you so much, Noah, for reaching out. Um, let this be a lesson in tenacity. Lo- Noah, <laughs> Noah reached out to us and um, he reached out to us again because as he is a teacher, he's going to be very busy in the fall. So we wanted to make sure we snuck you in here before you couldn't come anymore. So thank you very much, Noah, for, yeah, for this, for, for, and for being just for being a teacher, you know, teaching is hard. It's hard work. It's often thankless work. So thank you very much. Well, thank, thank you for having me on. You know, it's been like a big, uh, it's really cool to just come on one of my favorite podcasts. I even wore the shirt. I don't know if uh, I said that at the beginning, but, um, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Tell everyone where they can find you and, and on all the things, all the places. Yes. So my website is uh, provocateach.com. Yes, thank you. I was just about to type it in somewhere. <laughs> I had prepared a banner earlier. <laughs> Awesome. There, I also am at Provocateach on Twitter. Um, you can find me there. And 
there's a Facebook page also called Provoca Teach. So great branding. <laughs> and remember, you can always create your own communities. You don't have to try and find communities. You can start things from the ground up. Uh, if you, I'm sure if you're somebody that, uh, if Noah said something today that really resonates with you, I'm sure he would welcome, you know, some kind of a message somewhere. And, you know, you guys can help each other out, pump each other up. And, you know, you don't have to go to a craft and commerce if you don't want to, or you can't. So um, I encourage anybody to take a stab at reaching out to other creators, even if it's just DM and be like, you know, explaining your situation and just, you never know what can happen and what kind of friendships you can spark up. So, yeah, we'll do our own craft and commerce. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I can cheer that. I don't know. All right. all right, everybody. Thank you for being here and we'll see you all next week. And that's it. That's a wrap. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to this episode of The Future Belongs to Creators. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe so that new episodes appear in your podcast feed every week. And while you're at it, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to hear what you think of the show. If you want to join us live for the next recording, you'll find us on ConvertKit's YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash ConvertKit every Wednesday at 1230 Eastern. This show, like everything we do at ConvertKit, is made for creators by creators. We're on a mission to help creators like you earn a living online, and we make software that helps you build and connect with an audience of loyal fans. ConvertKit is the best way to launch or grow your next creative project. So to start building your audience, go to convertkit.com free and create a free account. We're looking forward to helping you on your creator journey. Thank you.